There's a lot of things in this chapter. Notice it says that the Lord sent Nathan to David. The fact that Nathan had to come to David was certainly the Lord's mercy for David because David was not willing to address his own sin. Now, David had been wrestling with this for about a year. Can you imagine? A year has passed by from the, from the adultery and from the murder, and now a year goes by. And during that year, David was dying inside. Uncontainable, you place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing, God. Oh, powerful, untamable, awestruck with Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible-teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. David's sin displeased the Lord, but David didn't listen to the conviction of the Holy Spirit or to his conscience. Now God sent someone else to speak to David, and God mercifully kept speaking to David even when David didn't listen. Yet no one should presume God will speak forever to the unrepentant sinner. God said in Genesis 6 verse 3, My spirit shall not strive with man forever. When we hear or sense the conviction of the Holy Spirit, we must respond to it immediately because it might not always be there. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's lesson. Let's open our Bibles to 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel. The two chapters uh, that we're, we've been looking at, we began chapter 11 last week and we're going to finish chapter 12 this evening, certainly are one of the most difficult chapters for us to go through. Because we, we look at the life of David and we see these, these horrible sins that David had committed and just the, the ramifications of those sins in not only his life but the life of, uh, of the nation of Israel. And I believe these passages, these chapters that we're, we've been looking at, 11 and 12 specifically, are very uh, pertinent to our culture that we're living in. In fact, I think in every culture, these two chapters have really uh, just challenged not only the unbeliever, but especially those within the church. Because adultery and fornication are, are something that is pre- so prevalent in our society. And it's even very prevalent, unfortunately, in the church. We see leaders Men of God pastoring large churches falling into sexual sin. And we see that and we, we, we kind of, it doesn't seem to phase us when we hear about that in the corporate sense, but when we think about it in the church, these things ought not to happen. And so, these are very difficult. 
verses, very difficult passages. If you recall, last week we looked at chapter 11, and it says that David, um, they, they were, the children of Israel were going out to battle the Ammonites. The Ammonites were an enemy of Israel, and David had besieged uh, Rabbah, which is the name of a city of the Ammonites, the chief city of the Ammonites, and the name of that city is actually Amman, Jordan today. It's the very same city back in antiquity. And so David and his army, they besiege that town. And when you besiege a town, you just basically camp out around it and you cut off its supplies, its food supply, its uh, um, water supply if you can. And you just kind of try and starve the people out, making it much easier to take the city over. So there's not much of a battle because by the time you break through the city, after some time, the people are so emaciated and weak, they're easy prey to, to take over. And so David should have gone out to battle, but we see in chapter 11 that he did not. And he stayed back at home. And one night he was restless, if you remember, and he was outside of his, uh, on his palace, and he was on the top part of that, walking around. And he looked down, and as is customary for a king to have all of his mighty men, their homes, around uh, the king's palace. And so he is up there on the palace one evening, and he sees... Uriah the Hittite's wife, whose name is Bathsheba. And he sees her. And he calls for her. And he takes her into his home and obviously has a relationship with her. And because of those little ones in the room, I'm going to try and abridge this a little. (laughs) Um, And ultimately, she is with child, you recall. And so David hatches this plan, if you recall, to bring Uriah the Hittite back from the battle, from the siege, and bring him home. And he'd been gone for months. All right, this is a, 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 they say that uh, this battle was really a, it was about two years in the planning, meaning that it was two years before the city would actually fall. So besieging takes much more time. And so Uriah and Bathsheba have been apart for some time. So there she is. Outside and she's bathing, and so he calls her, and and uh, he has the relationship. She becomes, she conceives, and as a result of that, David calls for Uriah to come back home. And certainly, his plan is is to get an update on what is happening in the siege. And the real motivation behind that was to get him to come home so that he would go and be with his wife. And as a result of that, as adults we understand, he's hoping to cover up what he had done. And when he was not successful in getting Uriah to do what he would like to have him do, then David hatches another plan, and he basically writes a letter to Joab, seals it, puts a signet on it, and hands it to Uriah to take back to Joab at the siege. And in the letter is basically Uriah's own death sentence. Instructions David gives Joab to to get up close to the wall of the city and put Uriah in the thickest part of the battle. And then right when he's at the thickest part of the battle, to retreat from him so that he would be ultimately killed. And that was successful. And so word comes back and David finds out 
And David, you remember in verse 26 of chapter 11, it says, When the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah, her husband, was dead, she mourned for her husband. And when her mourning was over, David sent and brought her to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing, notice, that David did had displeased the Lord, obviously. This man had had an illicit relationship, and then to cover it up, he murdered her husband. Now, why is this in the Bible? Because it's very applicable to us today. In fact, the Bible says that the Word of God is there for our admonition, for our learning. These things are here for our understanding and for us to grow. And there are certainly warnings, aren't they? As we read these things, I don't know about you, but whenever I read this chapter, it just scares me to death. It scares me to death. Again, because adultery is so prevalent, even in the church, even in the church. In the world, they don't care. They just, you know, but in the church, really? And yet it is. And so there's a lot for us tonight to take into account, to really examine our own hearts. And none of us may have done this in the flesh, but let me suggest to you that in our mind is where it happens first. And some people are on that level some people have already done that in their mind. And the next step, if not taken care of, if, if our mind and our heart is not put in check and, and we're not brought under the conviction, left unchecked, we will continue until that desire is brought to fruition. And not only that, men, also with pornography, This sort of thing is front and center for us tonight because Jesus said, if you even looked at a woman with um, impure thoughts, that you have committed adultery. And how many of that, how many of us online or here has that affected? And so this is an insidious thing. And so David here is, um, you know, I love the fact that the Bible doesn't try to candy coat its characters these are real people, obviously, in the, in the Bible. The Holy Spirit sees fit to not keep David um, from being in this light. He exposes everything. And if he does it for one of his own, a great man like David, he can and will do it to us if we're not patient or if we're not willing to confess, if, if, our, if our lives have gone in a direction that we know it's not supposed to go and we're continuing in a sinful behavior, God can and does at times expose us and hopefully it doesn't happen publicly. The Lord would much rather deal with these things privately and have us come into agreement with him and then be done with it. But left unchecked, God will expose it. In fact, I've, if I had to label this chapter that we're going to look at tonight, I would say your sin will find you out. It's a, it's a topic that everybody loves, isn't it? <laughs> it's a topic that you're glad you came tonight to hear. <laughs> and I say that with tongue-in-cheek because it's very difficult. It's a difficult chapter. So Uriah or, um, is killed. The message of it comes to Bathsheba, and it says that, and when her mourning was over, when her crying and mourning was over, David sent and brought her to his house, 
and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing that David did had displeased the Lord. Hey, Mark, can we bring this down just a little bit? It might be the location of where I am in front of the speakers, just a little bit. Okay, that's good. And um, so let's read just the first 15 verses of chapter 12, and then we're going to get into it, and then we'll continue onward. Notice what it says in chapter 12, verse 1. So after all of this, then the Lord sent Nathan to David, and he came to him and said to him, there were two men in one city, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceedingly many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except for one little ewe lamb, which he had brought and nourished, and it grew up together with him and with his children. It ate of his own food and drank of his own cup and lay in his bosom, and it was like a daughter to him. And a traveler came to the rich man who refused to take from his own flock and from his own herd to prepare one for the wayfaring man who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. And so David's anger, obviously, was was aroused against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this shall surely die. And he shall restore fourfold for the lamb, because he did this thing, and because he took had no pity. And then David, or excuse me, then Nathan, Nathan said to David, David, you are the man. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house and your master's wives in, into your keeping and gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, I also would have given you much more. Why then have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? You have killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword. You have taken his wife to be your wife. You have killed him with the sword of the people of Ammon. Now therefore, notice the consequence of the sin. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house, because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord. And here's where the hammer drops. Behold, I will raise up adversity against you from your own house, and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor, and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of this son." For you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel, before the sun. And so David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, The Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. However, notice again, another consequence. Because of this deed, you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. And notice another consequence. The child also who is born to you shall surely die. Then Nathan departed to his house. So this is a horrible situation. A horrible situation. And yet this is being played out in so many lives in America today. Maybe not the murder so much, but the adultery, yes. People that have been close to me, people that I've known have that this has happened. This has happened. And it's time that we take a very good look at it and we ask God, say, God, would you cleanse my heart? Would you purify my heart that I would not even look upon a maid? I remember uh, Job made that commitment 
I've made a, a covenant with my eyes that I would not look on a maid. And, and it's not just men today. Now it's women. And now things are getting really strange. The things that I would blush to think about women doing, they're doing today. So it's really important that we take heed to the truth of the Word of God. And we take heed to our own hearts. For it, for out of it comes forth the issues of life, doesn't it? So we need to take good care of this heart. We need to guard it with all diligence. Are you guarding your heart with all diligence? Guard it. It's so precious to God. Do you know your heart is precious? And not just your physical organ pumping blood into your body, but your, the seed of your emotions, everything that you are, your heart. That thing that makes decisions, that thing that's tempted, that thing that is, can be dissatisfied and needs some kind of release. Let's go back to verse 1. There's a lot of things in this chapter. Notice it says that the Lord sent Nathan to David. The fact that Nathan had to come to David was certainly the Lord's mercy for David because David was not willing to address his own sin. Now David had been wrestling with this for about a year. Can you imagine? A year has passed by from the, from the adultery and from the murder And now a year goes by, and during that year, David was dying inside. He was dying inside. It was like a cancer eating at him. He knew that what he did was wrong. The conviction of God was upon him, and there were times where I'm sure he tried to fight off that conviction. Have you ever done that? Have you ever had a, a, been convicted by the Spirit of God, and then you found, your, you found something that you could do to release yourself from the conviction? You found something to do to get your mind off of it. You tried to do anything to quell that, that conviction. And, and unfortunately, because of our nature, our old nature especially, we find ways to numb that conscience. We don't want to deal with it. And David was at that place. He knew he was wrong. But a year goes by and his heart is still in, in, in tumult. We, we'll read Psalm 51 tonight, and we'll see the kind of tumult that his heart was in, how he was in agony. And sin is, a, is an awful thing like that, isn't it? Left unconfessed, we, it just eats us. It eats us from the inside out. We can't sleep. We can't think. It seems like everything that we pray is just hitting the ceiling. Our worship starts to fall apart. Our relationships horizontally fall apart because this relationship vertically is falling apart. Everything is falling apart. And notice that if this relationship is good, chances are that everything on this plane is going to be well as well. But when this breaks down, everything falls apart. Everything. And I believe it was the Lord's mercy that he sent Nathan I think the Lord was looking at David and his turmoil and his guilt and saying, David, how long is it going to be before you finally break? Before you finally just confess it and own it? Just own it. And the Lord looks down and sees his son just in anguish. And the Lord says, you know what, I can't, I can't let you go on like this. And aren't you glad that you serve a merciful God like that, a loving God? Now, most people would say, well, if he's a loving God, he just let me be. 
No, but God is a God of love, and he hates to see what sin does to you and me. And if we leave it unchecked, God will intervene, and he'll bring it to our attention. And if we're not listening, he'll bring it to someone else's attention to come and tell you. And that's what happens here. He loves us enough to not want us to continue in agony. And so the rich man, and so, um, excuse me, it says that um, Nathan gives him this parable. This parable. And he says, and he came to him and said, there were two men in the city, one rich and the other poor, and the rich man had exceeding many flocks, and the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb, a, a, a little lamb, which had been... Um, which he had bought and nourished, and it grew up together with him and and with his children. It ate of his own food and drank of his own cup and lay in his bosom. It was like a daughter to him. You know, they do that in Israel, and they did that during the Passover lamb. They would get the lamb on the tenth day, and it would be with them for several days, for at least three or four days or more. And they would, they would, and the kids, can you imagine, have you seen a lamb, how cute they are, especially a lamb of the first year that are white as snow. Their ears look like little buttons. You know, they're the cutest thing in the world. And, and how can you see something like that be sacrificed? You know, and it's just it's a really hard thing. And so this man had one little ewe lamb. Who is that little ewe lamb that Nathan is talking about? It's Bathsheba. He's given a parable to David. And the traveler came to the rich man who refused to take his own flock from his own flock and from his own herd to prepare one of the wayfaring men who had come in him. But he took the poor man's lamb, prepared it for the man who had come to him. So we now we see that the rich man here is being portrayed as David. The poor man is Uriah, Bathsheba's husband. And the little ewe lamb is Bathsheba. And David doesn't recognize this. As a shepherd that he is, he is so into this parable. He's listening to it, and as each phrase is coming out of Nathan's mouth, David's blood pressure begins to boil. Because in his heart as a shepherd, you just this is something you don't do. You don't go to another man's field and steal a lamb. You, you do with your own. And so verse 6, he and he shall, and so, I'm sorry, back in verse 5. So David's anger was greatly aroused against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this shall surely die. Again, just the anger of a true shepherd, a good shepherd that David was. He wasn't so much a good shepherd at this time in his life, but David was a good shepherd. And that's partly what gave him such anger. This is just unheard of. And notice what David said. Not only shall he surely die, but he shall restore fourfold to the lamb because he had done this thing and because he had no pity. Isn't it funny that he said he, he first should die and then he's got to repay? Isn't that what, I mean, how can you repay if you're already dead? So you can see how David is becoming unhinged again. This sin had taken a part of his life so much that he's not even really being coherent And not only that, the law didn't require the death of a person who stole a lamb. This was just David's wrath speaking. Often when we're angry, our hearts, isn't this true? Our hearts can become so sour and so ugly that it goes way beyond the law's demands. And this is just the result of the fall in us, isn't it? The fall of man. 
I'm sorry, that concludes our program for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 2 Samuel. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.